And I think that that's probably why DC did the the fandom stuff is because they're trying to keep people pumped up about you know their the meat and potatoes of their business now, which is which is films. Hi, and welcome to another episode of The Caption Life, a podcast about the impact of comics and pop culture on life and society, and vice versa. From deep in the heart of Texas, I'm Kevin, and across the rainbow bridge of friendship, I'm joined by my good buddies Sean in Indiana. Hi, everyone. And James in Kentucky. Hello. So, uh, hey, we started this podcast back in the summer of 2019, which at this point feels like it was five years ago. Which it was. And uh, we've tried... Yeah. <laughs> We've tried to uh, produce episodes with regularity, but it has it has been hard to do at times, especially over the last six months, because what is going on in the world? And since all of us have day jobs in the in the field of education, we've been extremely busy over the last six weeks. Uh, so there's been a lot of comics related stories and news that that hit the airwaves over over the summer uh, that we haven't had a chance to discuss. I don't think we can do a podcast now uh, about comics and not talk about. Uh, the passing of Chadwick Boseman, mm-hmm. who, of course, will be forever um, remembered as the Black Panther in the MCU. I know that uh, for for my house, when we heard the news, it was very much a shock. And especially for my son, Madden, who is a huge comic book and superhero enthusiast, that he was very, very uh, hit very, very hard by it. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to kind of get you guys' uh, take on it or, you know, get how you guys were feeling. Yeah, you know, Sarah and I were shocked too, and we haven't told our son Riley about this yet because he takes these things a little bit hard. Uh, when you watch Avengers Endgame, which in hindsight we probably shouldn't have let them watch it, but I mean, he he got really emotional with um, you know the passing of Iron Man and Black Widow, and so we haven't told him about it. But I mean, we were really in shock because, and I'm sure everyone else were probably feeling the same way because no one knew that he was battling cancer until news broke out. Right. And, um, I gotta say like reflecting on this now and thinking about what I knew about Chadwick Boseman before he passed away was I I knew very little of his personal life. Like I knew that he was T'Challa and Black Panther and I absolutely loved him in that. I thought he did a great job. I never, really got into the Black Panther comics growing up. But when I watched him in Civil War, I got really excited about the Black Panther movie because I thought he just did a great job portraying T'Challa. And I remember watching him portray Jackie Robinson in 42, and I thought he did an excellent job. And that film is a great film in general. I thought it captured really well, not just what was happening with Jackie Robinson, but also it really helped you understand how people internalize racism and how it's learned and not necessarily inherited or anything like that. And I just thought that he did a fantastic job portraying Jackie Robinson. I know he also portrayed, um, I think he portrayed um, Martin Luther King Jr. in another movie, I think. No, it's uh, Thurgood Marshall. Thurgood Marshall, yes, thank you, sorry. Um, and so I um, so I know that he's done some like amazing roles that has had a huge impact for um, African Americans and people of color. And that he served in these roles that had just an amount of impact on our American history and just uh, history of people in general. And to hear about how he was as a person and the fact that, you know, you see all these memes or all these TikTok videos or YouTube videos of people showing that, you know, while Chadwick Boseman was visiting children in hospital, he was battling cancer himself. 
I think speaks volumes of how he was as a character and that I want to make sure that we celebrate him as a person. Like, yes, we loved him in Black Panther, but I think that him uh, knowing his story and just the impact that he had, you know, I think goes well beyond his role as T'Challa in Black Panther. And that I just hope that, you know, we can continue that, you know, and especially I remember last year or two years ago when Black Panther came out and just hearing all the news about how so many African-American children at schools were watching it and how they're excited about it. And this is like the first time that they saw not only a superhero that looked like them, but that they were actually more advanced technologically and as a, a society than any other place in the world as well, too. You know, and I thought that was just very empowering for them and that for Chadwick Boseman to play a part in that, I think is just absolutely phenomenal. And just so, you know, I just feel bad that I didn't really know who he was as a person because I think he actually had more impact with the things that he did off uh, off screen um, just as much as he did on screen as well, too. You know, it like it was really tough because everything that I'd mm-hmm. heard about him as a person, like he was just just seems like an honestly really good person. And, you know, that's kind of hard to find these days, especially with like big name actors and, you know, athletes and whatnot. It's like, they always end up like breaking your heart. It feels like, but it's like, he was a really good person. And, um, you know, it also hit kind of hard because, you know, I'm 36 and, or about to be 36. And, um, my uncle, my dad's brother, died when he was 42 from colon cancer. Mm. And then my dad's father died from colon cancer when he was 62. And of course, my, di- my dad died from something uh, cancer related when he was 62, but it wasn't that. But like that really runs in my family. So, I mean, that kind of hit hard too and just kind of... Mm dredged up some things there but uh yeah you know i you know i think it's a really uh tough thing it was really sad and but i do like how like abc showed black panther that sunday night um uninterrupted by yeah, the way, which is great yeah which they never mm-hmm. do that um right uh comicsology ran a sale on black panther comics like every individual issue of black panther was free so there was like over 256 individual comics that they gave away to kind of honor chadwick boseman so mm-hmm. you know you don't really see that very often to where you know companies kind of lose money and things like that so uh it just kind of shows you the you know power of comics and movies and things like that when when you know a man is honored when he dies so yeah i will i will just add that i saw in passing on social media that because of the very intense and widespread strong reaction to his passing that somebody uh said that that a lot of times when we mourn a celebrity it's kind of a release valve for all of the personal stresses and things uh grief or you know that we're dealing with in our, our own personal lives um and it's usually the the straw that that breaks the camel's back and and I think that during the during the time of crisis that we're kind of all experiencing still with the the covid pandemic that that was probably more so true than ever 
But one of the things that hit home with me, you know, like you, James, I'm in, I'm in my late thirties. I actually just celebrated my 38th birthday a few weeks ago that his age, you know, that he was only 43. That's just five years older than I was, that I am. And that, you know, that the time is fleeting and that you only have so much of it here online, uh, so much of it here on the planet. And, and what you do with what you do with that time matters. And he he managed to have an incredibly huge uh, impact. And I, I like you, Sean, I, I think that, you know, he's he is a person who has portrayed some really, really important uh, historical figures. But I think historically speaking, he's going to be remembered as mm-hmm. the Black Panther. And I think that I think that that's OK, because it's not just that he was it's not just that he portrayed a fictional character in a movie it's like you said, it's like what that character represented and what that meant for so many young people, uh, African-Americans and people of color, uh, that what they took away from that portrayal. So, I, you know, he's definitely going to be he's definitely going to be missed. So, mm-hmm. I mean, when the character of Black Panther was created, it could have been any black person like they could have gone into all kinds of stereotypes and whatnot to make that character. But they made him a king of the most technologically advanced society in the world. Mm-hmm. And that happened, what, 19, sometime 1970s, I'm thinking? I'd have to mm-hmm. look it up to be sure. Yeah, I think it was 1960s because actually, ironically enough, coincided with the rise of the Black Panther movement in okay. the U.S., which was like actually no relation <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah. It just happened to happen at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, just really neat with that character in the comics and just the way that Bozeman portrayed that. Like, he was the Black Panther. Mm-hmm. He was the king of Wakanda. Mm-hmm. And so. So, also over the last six months, we've seen a, a wide variety of changes come to comics, especially because of. Uh, the COVID outbreak and the uh, shutdown that took place in March and April, and that led to some changes in distribution. We know that uh, DC dropped Diamond as their distributor, and they went uh, to using uh, more local uh, dis- uh, distribution for comic shops and things like that. And then, of course, towards the end of the summer, uh, they kind of had a, a fire sale on on employees letting people go and you mm-hmm. know um i'm sorry what's the they uh they fired their publisher dan uh, dan didio uh and and they are taking a different look or a different route with things uh creatively and so part of their game plan going forward at least on the comics side kind of feels up in the air right now mm-hmm. and i don't know if they did this to to throw us off the scent but at the same time they kind of had the uh, dc fandom event or events that are, I kind of guess, still going on over the last uh, month or so, um, where they pushed things out from their other mediums, like movies and television and stuff like that, to keep people uh, pumped up and excited. And uh, I think I think it accomplished it. I mean, I think that there was a lot of things that came out of that that people are really really excited about, and and they're not really talking about <laughs> um, the the changes at the at the comic books. So, what do you guys think about that? You know, this whole thing with DC, I think, is a little scary with, you know, comics in general, because Dan DiDio had been there for a while, mm-hmm. uh, and it kind of led through rebirth and everything. So, but especially with, like, the DC fan, uh, 
fandom not having anything to do with comics and there's always kind of that thing going on in the like in the back potentially like will like your big two of marvel and dc just quit making comics Mm -hmm. and you know and it seems like dc has also kind of quelled their uh like creative teams to where you've only got kind of the really big names like Scott Snyder, but he's beginning to kind of spin things off into his own kind of creator own projects. And then you got like mm-hmm. writers like Tom King, Tom Taylor, that's doing a lot of things right now. Mm-hmm. And then you got the artist, Brian Michael Bendis is doing yeah. Superman and action comics and they announced this week that his run was going to be ending on that in in December. Yeah, so um, it's just you know it's kind of wild, like kind of what's going on. I mean, from a from a business standpoint, it makes you wonder if the if the traditional comic book industry survives all of this, what kind of changes will come out of it? Because um, you know, there for a long time, we couldn't go to local comic shops. And by and large, that's how a lot, most people get their their comics. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to see those businesses, you know, those those businesses fail because they're not just it's not just about the comic industry. It's about, you know, the com- communities and stuff that spring up like out of that shared interest. And um, they're 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 wholly dependent on the the comics industry um you know some of those shops would maybe be able to um survive as you know like pop culture shops or you know things like that but without you know the regular release of new comics you know with to get people in the door and possibly buy other things like what do what do we what do they do about that you know it makes me wonder like if they don't go towards like collections instead of individual issues mm-hmm. like you know right now i'm reading uh strange adventures by uh tom king art by uh mitch garrett's and doc shaner and it's i mean it's designed as a 12 issue maxi series mm-hmm. it's like what if you know dc decided hey we're just going to wait until it's all done and then just sell the trade. I think another thing too, because the publication part of it is expensive. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't think that, I don't think that any of those companies make like a ton of money off of uh, the comics. It's, Oh, they can't. It's kind of the same way that the toys and stuff were done in the eighties. Like, you know, GI Joe, the television series was, was created to sell the action figures. Same thing about, um he-man and transformers uh, and and transformers and things like that um and so with with this being with these and and especially we're talking about the big two because we can kind of separate that from from indie publishers um because indie publishers like you know they their goal is to get their books out in front of people and that's that's not going to change but for the big two especially um Comics is kind of like for this point a byproduct of their of their media. The, it's just a cog in the machine 
because let's, I think I think it bears mentioning that part of the reason why the industry is suffering so much right now is because we haven't had a major motion picture release and things that would have would have generated interest in characters. I mean, like who the hell knows what what was going to be revealed in the Black Widow movie and what characters would have been you know would have been you know dropped on us as a surprise or you know what revelations we would have gotten and that would have gotten people back out to be like oh i want to read that i want to read that book i want to know that backstory Mm -hmm. and that's just not happening and i think that that's probably why dc did the the fandom stuff is because they're trying to keep people pumped up about you know their the meat and potatoes of their Mm -hmm. business now which is which is films and the films generate revenue not just from box office but you know through the licensing of uh, uh, things and and comics comics were able to do that uh in the 70s and 80s and whatnot but once these characters became you know screen legends that it it shifted and we've gotten some really great comic stories over the last 10 15 years um and we've seen a lot of them developed into like major motion pictures and i think that at some point they became symbiotic of each other like they needed each other to continue and now because we are seeing the the collapse of one side of it, the other is starting to suffer too. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, if you look at like the, like the middle grade books with like Scholastic and um, I forget what the other one is, but the notion of like putting comics out there in like trades and collections and things is doing great for that kind of age group and you know and also i mean when the average price for a comic is five dollars you know it's hard to kind of choose when you have a bunch of different ones coming out i mean i know there's some that i decide to to trade weight on because you know it's like six bucks a pop or you know something along those lines and um well, and with the with, you know, despite what the stock market is doing, people's personal economies aren't aren't doing that great right now. So people are having to make tough decisions about what they what they spend their money on, and those those things definitely are a luxury. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I've heard I've heard it been like discussed before, and I can't remember who was uh, who said this, and and, I'm, and I'll say this: it was probably Eric Larson who is the um, the creator of Savage Dragon, but years ago he he talked about people complaining about the price of of comics because the price of comics isn't the problem. Um, when you compare like a comic to like a a greeting card, oh yeah, you know you could go to the grocery store and like a greeting card is four dollars and fifty cents to five six dollars that um you know and you look at it once and then you put it in a shoebox or something. That a comic book you get a much bigger bang for your buck. It's it's not the price that's the problem. It's just the the economy is not well. People's personal economies are not exactly, well. and and that's that's affected it. I don't think comics as a medium are necessarily going to go away, and and this is all I'll say why. I I think that it might end up looking differently in the long run, and I think it all just going depends on how economically everything uh, changes the next couple of years and that it might be a short term versus a long term. But I think that comics is not going to go away because even though I, I don't see it as a byproduct, because especially if you look at 
Spider-Man Miles Morales and how popular that is. Mm-hmm. That was a comic book story that just recently came out. Uh, you know, Captain America Civil War, that's based on a comic book or, or a comic book series that came out, you know, 10 years before that, basically. And so I think, that, you know, the stories and the characters and everything, they're always going to be around. So I think even if the comics are going away, like the characters and the stories won't go away. But I think there's something to say about the comic book as a medium that really is um, where people draw a lot of connections with and draw their stories and everything. And so I think comic books aren't necessarily going to go away. Now, I'm, I'm on this website here called the... Uh, Comicron.com that is giving kind of a breakdown of the um, the sales of comic books in like North American history or or North America, sorry. And it's been doing really well. Like from 2012 to 2019, it's gone up. It went down a little bit in 2017, but um, last year it was a 1.21 billion dollar um, uh, report. Um, I, I don't know what the exact phrase I'm looking for here. Um, but then what's really interesting is when you look at the medium, digital comics makes up $90 million of it. Comic books makes up 355 graphic novels actually is twice that 765. And so I think touching on what you all said earlier, I think it's going to change into instead of like a series of individual comics or individual issues, it's going to turn into Mm -hmm. just a graphic novel that they're going to start selling. Um, but I think the the medium itself still is marketable. I think they're still going to have that. It might just look a little bit different. Now, does that mean they're going to put out as many or are they going to do, um, you know, less character issues and maybe more, you know, uh, spread across team issues or something like that? Um, I think I honestly think that it would be better if they do uh, less team issues and do more character issues because character issues is what allows people to be able to pick and really uh, grab onto a character that they identify mm-hmm. really like, as opposed to trying to, you know, get a little bit of each person here or there. Um, but I, the one thing I think that they really haven't sold a lot of people on, I think this is something that they might want to capitalize on some point is that they actually create a lot of comics that fills in within like, you know, the MCU or the DCEU, they kind of create comics to kind of fill in like what happened between like this movie and this movie. And I feel like that's never really advertised. And I wonder if they're going to start thinking about let's create comics that's related to the cinematic or or entertainment universes. And maybe it's going to be more focused on those and kind of bridging it more towards being, you know, tied in more with those mediums and as opposed to making it a distinct, you know, these distinct worlds that they live in. Right. I think the where they I think that where they're cautious of doing that because I think you could do that to a certain extent like I there's a lot of of those of those movies that had like really great comics like that were uh like the prologue of the movie like what happened right before the movie mm-hmm. um picked up right but I think where they where they worry about all of that is is continuity for the for the film series mm-hmm. because like I, I'll use Star Wars as an example, like how much of it is in like the main series and then how much info is like in the Clone Wars and the Mandalorian now and Star Wars Rebels and all of that stuff is considered like canon. And I know there's a huge population of people out there that like only care about it if it's like the canon. Right. Whereas like me personally, I, you, I wish that they would just tell a bunch of different like Batman stories Mm -hmm. like that aren't you know like linear Mm. in nature like that they don't just you know one happened like this is a different version of batman 
Like, I, I think that kind of stuff is, I think it's that kind of stuff is great. Right. And, and I'm really, I've always been kind of torn on the notion that they produce too much. Like, don't you feel like, I mean, sometimes when, you know, a new comic book day and they've got like 20 new like books out or whatever. And it's like, you've got Batman and you've got Batman and family and you've got Gotham PD or whatever. I can't remember that what, what that one was called. Yeah. Um, but then you've got detective comics and you got Batman and the outsiders and you've got, you've got all of these things. And I know he's an incredibly popular character, but like, are you, are you over saturating the, the market? Yeah. And right. And I, I the, th- but the flip, the flip side of that is you get to know some really great storytellers through their writing and their art. And you don't really want to take jobs off the tables of, of these people, but also like some of that, like you're, you're, you're making people choose what they want to buy because you're offering them too much. Right. Well, and I, I think that's what they're going to do is, is really they're probably going to, you know, scale back on how many of those like worlds are going to have. And I think what they're going to probably going to start doing is, okay, instead of having, you know, three versions of Batman that's running, that's, you know, all Bruce Wayne and, 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 you know, the same person, but on earth, you know, five and earth 28 and stuff like that. I think what they're going to do is they're going to have Bruce Wayne and this Earth, but then they're going to have this Batman that's portrayed by a completely different character. And so that way it's not like the same character, but in these different scenarios, but it's just a, it's the same superhero, but bringing in a different person into that role. So similar to like Miles Morales being Spider-Man in this different universe, you know, he's still Spider-Man, but he is bringing this whole different kind of character and background to the role, as opposed to we're going to have Peter Parker in Spider-Man and the amazing Spider-Man. And I think the astonishing Spider-Man, you know, and it's all Peter Parker, but, you know, different uh, stories and all that, you know, of the same person. I think they're going to start focusing on the superhero still, but bringing a different character that's going to fill in that role. And I think that's what was brilliant about like the 2099 series that Marvel did is that, you know, they, they, took it to a whole new level of this superhero still being played out, but in a different role played by a different person, like daredevil 2099. I thought it was really interesting that they had the grandson of, uh, the Kingpin playing daredevil. And he has to also maintain like his grandfather's business and stuff like that. So it was a really interesting story, but you still have the character of daredevil in here. And so I think that's what they're going to start doing is they're probably going to pull back the, uh, alter ego of these superheroes, but start bringing in new characters to fill in those roles in these different universes. So they're going to have uh, fewer, but more meaningful stories of that same superhero. And and I think James, what you said about there being uh, trade trades, like them switching to trades. I think that's a good idea because I think uh, if we can take a parallel to another universe that the, the Netflix model works mm-hmm. um, because, you know, episodic, television for a long time had its place in our um in our like tv watching habits and now we are at a place where we would prefer to get as much content as possible so that when we have time to watch it we have we we want to watch it all for example um two weeks ago my family watched um the entire first season of the cobra kai mm-hmm. uh the weekend of my birthday it came out on netflix right. and then uh, yesterday uh, sorry, Friday night and yesterday, we not only watched the entire second season, but we watched the entire Karate Kid trilogy <laughs> uh, and and did literally nothing nothing more than that. So I think James is right. Like the I think the the publishers are going to have to think about going the the Netflix route and releasing these trades so that you can consume right you know six to ten episodes all at once 
because that's what that's where you know they're gonna find there's some there's there's money in right that. and you know yep. it would also be cheaper for consumers too because mm-hmm. yes you know i missed uh mr miracle when it came out and so i decided to wait until trade because i heard about it around you know issue six so i waited for a while until the trade came out and you know i got it the day it came out for like 20 bucks right you know i'm picking up strange adventures and it's for 99 an issue Mm -hmm. so five times 12 is i'm really bad bad at math but it's more than 20 (laughs) dollars right and it's like should i wait yeah well i mean and and again that's the thing like looking at these numbers from uh, commoncron.com Graphic novels is, you know, selling twice as much as comic book series, you know, and I know trade paperbacks and graphic novels aren't exactly the same thing, but in essence, they are in terms of telling a story in this, you know, larger volume as opposed to collecting these individual issues. And so I, I, I don't think that's um, out of the realm of possibilities at all. So, and, and I've talked about this before um, when, cause James brought it up, those, those books that are meant for young readers mm-hmm. Those books do numbers that comic book publishers wish they could right. do. Yep. Like when you're reading that, it's probably including those, mm-hmm. you know, what is that? Is it Dogman? Like he's oh, a, yeah. the Dogman is incredibly popular with young readers. Like Dogman and New Kid and a um, few others. Yeah. And DC kind of got on board with that. They just released a, a new graphic novel, um, the Beast Boy graphic novel. Mm-hmm. So. Like maybe maybe there's you know they got to find that market too, but but you said that it would be cheaper for the consumer doesn't necessarily mean that the the company's gonna make less money mm-hmm. because if you can make it to where more people can afford it, more people will, will exactly buy it. yeah. Um, it's the reason it's the reason why exactly. I'll give you an example. I subscribed to HBO Max this weekend because it was on sale. Right. Like I if I can get it cheaper than what it normally costs, I w- I'm more likely to. Uh, to get it so we've talked a lot about what's happened over the last couple of months in comics and pop culture uh so let's do this before we go give me your your big prediction for something that will happen in the realm of comics and pop culture over the next year okay i'll go first okay since i sprung (laughs) that on you guys and you weren't ready for it okay so my prediction is going to be a two-parter number one is because Mulan did so terribly on the release uh, on the D- Disney Plus release, I do not think that they're going to consider that for for the Black Widow movie. I was hoping that they would because I would have paid the thirty dollars to watch the Black Widow movie, mm-hmm. but I do not think that that's going to happen. I do believe that the Black Widow is going to end up getting pushed all the way back uh, until probably May of twenty twenty one, which just puts a um, a whole year delay in the the continuation of the MCU. I'm not saying that's a bad thing because like everything you can have too much of a good thing. So maybe we will love and appreciate it more, but here's my, here's what I'm boldly predicting about the black widow movie. We all know that the taskmaster is, um, is the, the villain they've featured him in the, in the, uh, the previews and whatnot that we have seen. I'm going to go out on a limb and say one of two things is true about the taskmaster. One is that he is um, a character that we've already been introduced to. Like he may be like a clone of Steve Rogers or something like that. And it's really Chris Evans underneath that mask. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying stranger things have happened. 
Or two, it's not somebody that we've introduced to, but it is going to be like some huge star that we weren't expecting it to be. Like they've been able to keep the casting of who it was a secret for two right. years. Right. Yeah. Well, and I'll say this, like I, I Channing Tatum. Sorry, I just <laughs> didn't throw it up there. I want it on record just in case it's right? true. And he plays Gambit. <laughs> it's yeah, it's no, Gambit as, as Taskmaster. The whole Chan- <laughs> we could we could have a whole episode on the Channing Tatum as Gambit, which will probably never uh probably never happen right. but yeah well and and i gotta say like i really hope that's not um what disney bases it on because mulan i just think was a, a terrible movie to use as its like model predictor because it's already in, it was already shrouded by fans who are already upset that they changed so much from the animated movie that they thought made it what mulan was from what they understood from what they grew up with like not no not so much like the historical legend that tried to be more accurate with but just the animated movie that they were that they identified with and thought it was going to you know that it was terrible they were changing it so much that it's not even the same movie but also with the actress being you know showing her support for the hong kong police and everything like that that was a controversy and so i think it's just a you know i I think it's a terrible movie for them to see how well performs because of that so yeah i think they spent 200 million dollars on a movie that didn't need to be right (laughs) so yeah Oh, to have that much money to burn that you can. But, you know, Disney has a track record of redoing those classic animated films and doing live action. And mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. how well oh, so they, far they've been wildly successful. I mean, with uh, Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin, Aladdin was a huge hit that they didn't see coming. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, was more than they predicted. And then The Lion King, too. Some of that was just, you know, people interested in nostalgia, mm-hmm. but you know, some of, some of that stuff was legitimately were, were legitimately, you know, you know, there were, I'm not going to say they were all legitimately good films because I think the Lion King especially, um, was overrated. Right. <laughs> it's still a cartoon. It's just a, a much cooler cartoon. But, um, but but the fans showed up to that. They didn't show up to this, and I think that that's. I don't think they would have shown up to the theaters for it either. You know, I don't even remember like Mulan, the animated movie, being all that good. I found out yesterday that Mr. Miyagi, Pat Morita, played the Emperor, the Emperor yep. in the Mulan movies. Side note: Mulan was one of Riley's favorite movies when he was like two or three, and you know how much he loves villains. I never knew growing up. I watched Mulan, but I never could tell you who the what the name of the villain was until Riley was really into it, and he would imitate the villain the whole time, going around saying, "I am Sean Yu," and then like take a sword out and start, you know, doing the sword fight and everything in there and all that. So that's the only reason why I know a lot more about the animated movie now than when I was uh, when it first came out. So okay, back back on track. Right, back on we track. Get you guys' prediction. Yeah, so I I will. Um, kind of stay in the same realm of what Kevin said. And I think even though Mulan didn't do very well, I think we're going to see, I think we're going to see more experimentation of releasing films straight to streaming services and possibly see a change in the movie, uh, in the movie theater industry in terms of how they're releasing movies out to crowds and stuff like that. I think there's still going to be a market for people wanting to go out, especially once all this is over, people just going to desperately want to go out and be out in public. And I think that's going to help make a big boom. But I think until that happens, they're going to start experimenting more on trying to get more money out or try to get money out of people watching their movies. And so I think you're going to start seeing Netflix and you know Hulu, which is owned by Disney, but 
Amazon. I think they're going to start trying to take some films that they were planning on doing in the movie theaters and just go, you know, straight to streaming and try to get money that way. Because I think Disney is actually a genius in trying to start that early. And I know that I think AMC or Regal or one of the theaters have been trying to get the uh, movie stream, you know, straight to homes and stuff like that. So that way they can make a profit and everything. But I think we're going to see more of that. And I think they're going to end up being a little bit more successful, especially if Amazon ends up buying out AMC. I think they're going to combine those and give people the option to be able to either see it in theater or just see it straight at home if they want to. I think you could be onto something. The one thing that I foresee happening, though, that's a problem with some of that is that we've been shut down for so long. We're going to run out of new content. Like some things are some things are in the can, Mm -hmm. like the Black Widow movie, Wonder Woman, because Wonder Woman took forever to make anyway. Um, Some of those things are in the can and we'll get we'll get those. But if they don't get started on new things or get production ramped back up again very soon for a lot of other things, then it will be a while before we get those, those big, you know, movies you, you would be worth going to the theater to right. see. Oh, I think they're, I think they're already doing production. They're just not making a big deal about it. Cause I think they're just keeping low budget. They're, they're rethinking the process in terms of what can they do without the production part and try to get that stuff mm-hmm. cheap, but also ready to go. So that way when they start filming, then they can just go straight into getting the movie ready. But I mean, until we know when this happens, it's hard for them to plan for that too. So yeah. Right. All right, James, you got to go last. You got to give us something good to end on. I've got two. That's probably going to be completely wrong, but I'm going to throw this out there because you know, what the hell, you know, (laughs) because you know, sports people throw out these predictions all the time and they do really, really bad on them. Um, I, I'm going to say Wonder Woman releases on HBO Max at Christmas. Okay. Okay. And the Batman doesn't get made. Oh. You, wow. Because That's bold. Like they're just going to scrap yeah, it. Yeah. Because they've had nothing but problems. And Robert <laughs> Pattinson came down with COVID and they keep having delays. And right. eventually they're just going to say, screw it. And let's just not even do it. And we had that awesome trailer for it, and that'll be like the one potential movie that could have been awesome that never got made. Honestly, I think because of that trailer, I think it's going to it's going to be like the Snyder Cut, basically, right? People are going to ask for it. The fervor for it is going to be intense, right? Because I think people were not really you know interested in that movie until they saw the trailer, and then all of a sudden that was like the talk, like everybody got excited about that, right? And so now right. I think they're just like. We need to do this, even though, you know, Robert Pattinson has COVID. Let's try to get, you know, some of the other scenes and shot and all that. And, and who knows? Like, we don't know how far into the production they're in. So they only had like a couple more days with Robert. They might be able to still make that work. But I think even if they have to postpone it, they're going to circle back around because I think the hype is there and they know that they can make money off of this. So could you imagine if like the Twitterverse was around in 1994 when they wrapped filming that, uh, that terrible Fantastic Four, like uh, Roger Corman produced Fantastic mm-hmm. Four B movie. If you've never seen the trailer for it, try to go look it up on like YouTube or whatever. But it's a movie that that they made like on the down low in order to keep the rights to the Fantastic Four. <laughs> so they had to produce a movie and then they never released it. And it's like by all accounts, it's like utter garbage. <laughs> but like like where is the where is the fanboy outcry for the 1994 Fantastic Four film? <laughs> 
Hey, and that, with that, we'll wrap up another episode of The Caption Life. We hope you enjoyed listening to us. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button on whatever major podcast platform you listen to. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Caption Life. And if you like what we're doing, give us a shout out, tag us in your posts, send us a message. Until next time, see ya. Michael Keaton is back as Batman. I'm Batman. Ha, 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 ha.